There we go. It is June 4th, 2022. This is the Wrestling Inc. podcast, NXT TakeOver in your house. Plus more AEW news on the MJF situation and the AEW title picture. Originally, we thought, hey, news first. But you know what? TakeOver, Alfred Kanawa joining me today. Just the two of us. Um, This is a return to NXT TakeOver is going to once again upstage the WWE pay-per-view that has to follow it on Sunday. I can't remember the last takeover that had this much momentum. Remarkable, given the relatively lackluster build we had to this pay-per-view. We had some title changes tonight. We had great matches from start to finish. What are your thoughts coming off uh, this, this, this high of Joe Gacy being a heartbeat away from the NXT championship, only for Braun Baker to retain when it seemed like Joe was going to win it twice? Yeah, they had some really good near falls in that match. And I think the theme of this whole show was there were a bunch of pretty bad storylines, but they paid off with really good matches. I thought this was a very good show. Uh, Obviously, people are always going to compare this to the old NXT, which I don't think is fair considering the scale of takeover that they would have. But this was a pretty good show. This was on the level of the best NXT pay-per-view type shows that they've done in the 2.0 era. And I think the crowd was great. I think the crowd just wouldn't let any of these matches fail. And I had fun watching the show. It was a short show too, which I think helped. Start to finish, this went very fast. It was very good. All the matches had momentum. The results were, for the most part, satisfying. I felt like most of these matches could have gone either way, and I would have been happy with either result. And Joe Gacy, which I believe I compared the other night to the uh, dystopian nightmare of a Sarah Palin presidency that it was morally <laughs> curious to see how that could play out with Joe Gacy as NXT champion. When it looked like he was going to win... I was excited and thinking, holy shit, they're going to burn down all of NXT and I'm here for it because this could be unpredictable and get really weird and perhaps be a great transition for Solo Sokoa to claim the championship at Great American Bash coming up now in just 31 days. So I have to say this pay-per-view won me over. I'd forgotten this pay-per-view was on tonight. I woke up late this morning, sat down in front of the television, said to the wife, hey, do you want to start binging the new season of The Boys? I was flipping channels, um, saw that HBO2 was marathoning the first season of The Wire and said, well, I know what I'm doing with the rest of my day. And then I get the email saying, here's the link for tonight's podcast and said, oh, I totally forgot TakeOver in Your House (laughs) was tonight. So given that that was my expectation going into this show of sort of a begrudging uh, obligation that I had, I have to say, I'm amped, man. I was very, very delighted by what we saw tonight. Yeah, nowhere near as good as The Wire, but it was still a good show. I mean, is anything as good as The Wire? No, I know. It's a high bar. (laughs) I mean, really, right? And I haven't rewatched the series since it ended in 2010. I did a complete rewatch. But um, I'm excited to do so again. And I've never watched the high-definition remasters they did. So it's 20th anniversary of The Wire, though. Can you believe that? Wow. No, I can't. Good Lord. Yeah, kind of nuts. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to rewatching that. But, hey, TakeOver tonight, um, solid from start to finish. Had some title changes. Some of the wins were a little predictable or going the safe route. But there are other things that I think are going to open up new possibilities. And let me just say, because, you know, we're going to get into all this and discuss it. If you're watching this podcast, I'm assuming you watch the show. I think tonight we had telegraphed three main roster call-ups that are about to happen with two of those title changes tonight. So we'll we'll oh, get really? into that and talk. Yeah. Well, think about it, right? Because for one of them, what else can he do in NXT at this point? 
Yeah, I mean, we, we can get into it. I could see whether it's Cameron Grimes, who needs, I think, to turn heel if he's going to stay in NXT, um, or even Pretty Deadly, which I know you've been fantasy booking them as the models for Max Dupree. So very interesting developments there. Both title changes I was surprised by. So maybe it was an emergency situation where they're getting called up. It's pretty deadly, man. I'm telling you. You know, sometimes, look, my crowning moment of victory of being Nostradamus and predicting the future on this podcast was before the WrestleMania women's main event when I said, you know, I could see them hot-shotting uh, Charlotte to win the title over Asuka. And then we've got Charlotte champion, Becky champion, Ronda Rousey in the triple threat because that makes sense to me. And they did it. Sometimes I just say things to say them and they end up coming true. Yeah, this could be another moment like that. Here we go. Because with Pretty Deadly, I don't know. Again, I don't know what they do, but just by keeping them in NXT. But SmackDown Tag Team Division needs something right now. The Usos got no one to face. Yeah, and the Usos are pretty much carrying SmackDown right now with Roman Reigns gone. So if that's going to be the case, and you're definitely going to need more tag teams. Yeah. But Pretty yeah. Deadly is a heel tag team. So now we're getting into this heel versus heel territory. I think Pretty Deadly, though, like... They're heels in the, like, don't hate me because I'm beautiful sense. Um, like, they're not kicking puppies, you know? They're not <laughs> viciously terrible bad guys in the traditional sense. I don't know. I, I could see it. I mean, Brazango could go either way, depending on what they needed to do for the storyline. So we'll see. But, hey, let's uh, let's talk about the show. We opened. And, again, I thought this match was going to be dumb. I thought this feud had taken all the heat off Tony D'Angelo. Uh, because two two dimes and stacks and whatnot. Um, but tonight, Tony D, two dimes and stacks versus Legato del Fantasma for uh, control. They're going to merge the crime families and the winning party was going to be in control. I have to say, and I don't know if you noticed this tonight, they put in more effort on the intros tonight than perhaps ever for an NXT takeover, whether it was Wendy Chu with her dream sequence that we saw and her waking up. Um, but tonight doing this Goodfellas like voiceover montage while Tony yeah. D and the crew were entering, talking about the rules of being a gangster. Um, I thought this was great. It set up the match perfectly. And Alfred, what did you think of the match itself? I thought the match itself was incredible. I really loved the atmosphere they created. It was really a turf war in the sense that there's this Pavlovian thing that people do, especially in NXT with these fans, where somebody will chant something and somebody will just chant the other thing just to do it. Like, let's go, Gacy. Gacy sucks or whatnot. And it's really not that authentic. But the dueling chants in this match made it seem like these fans were legitimately riding for their crew. Like, it wasn't just a Pavlovian back and forth. It was some people were down with Tony D's family, and some people were down with Legato, and it really came across in this turf war. I think people were ready for it. Even the entrance where they were chanting Legato, it was one of the louder, more enthused chants. And I think the crowd played a really key role in making this a really good match. I thought they were great throughout, and I thought this match was very fun to watch. I was pleasantly surprised to see Tony D, Stax, and Tudons really keep up with Legato throughout the match. Um, because Legato is so accomplished and they're very high level at wrestling and Tony D is more of a character, but all three of these guys, I thought had a very good match with Legato. So I loved everything about this. I want to join a gang right now. We got to do it, Glenn. Crowd very split, perhaps not since, uh, less filling and taste great, uh, taste great. Has there been such a close debate <laughs> between an audience tonight as Legato Del Fantasma and Tony D'Angelo. Uh, but this was fantastic to see the energy in this match was off the hook. A lot of great spots in this. Now, I predicted if I was booking this, I would have had Electra Lopez or a member of Legato 
betray the crew to have more power with Tony. Mm. But the way that this match finished, I actually have to say was a surprise in that uh, Dimes tossed Stacks motionless body on top of Joaquin Wilde to get the one, two, three. Everybody had great spots in this match. Super hot opening. I don't think I've heard an NXT 2.0 crowd. It has probably been since sometime last fall that I have heard an NXT 2.0 crowd be as hot as they were tonight. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that this crowd was one of the best crowds they've ever had. Yeah, seriously. Get get that crowd back, NXT. Uh, they helped make the show tonight, and it started out on a great note. Having such an awesome, hot opener just really set the tone. And the match didn't go on too long. And let me also give them credit for that. NXT is guilty of this. AEW is guilty of this. Sometimes they do these spot fest matches that go on twice as long as they need to. And tonight, I felt like everything was a perfect length this was perfect even down to the finish i thought this was perfect for what it was and when i say best crowd they've ever had obviously i'm talking about in the nx2 t2.0 not, not these fourteen thousand fans that they would have that takeover in their prime but in this era this might have been the best crowd they had and i thought that they really helped make this match even better and this is the thing for uh for wrestlers and wrestling promoters not every pay-per-view and not every match has to be the equivalent of a bruce springsteen concert you know, of like, it's really long. It's not that great, but what's the Bruce McCullough quote? But wow, what energy, uh, you know, it doesn't have to go on for a half an hour a match. This was perfect length. We got six matches, two and a half hours. Time flew by fantastic start to the show. And, uh, yeah, there's really nothing to criticize about this. In fact, if you skipped NXT in your house tonight, stop watching this podcast and watch it because this was a very, very easy watch. Um, very fun show. And yeah, absolutely love this match. So Tony D won. And uh, how do you think they're going to play it for here with Legado Del Fantasma having to join the D'Angelo crime family? It'll be interesting because I am intrigued at what they do here. I do like a lot of the pieces involved with the storyline, namely the GOAT. I think the GOAT has to be next in line to challenge for the wow. NXT Championship because that's going to be a big threat to Braun Breaker that now he's got to deal with two stables in one. So I think that would be a very intriguing story and they'd have a chance to make Braun Breaker look like a super baby face if he was to start taking out the family and Legato. But I think Legato del Fantasma is going to ultimately work to undermine Tony D and company. And this isn't going to be like a group where they're in harmony and they have to learn to work together. I think it's going to be more of the same and it's going to lead to them having a match where maybe it's Tony D versus Santos Escobar and the winner, if Santos wins, they get to leave the mm. new stable. Yeah. Although I'd prefer if they could find a way to, to like pause and change things up a little bit and not just keep doing endless rematches, you know? Um, that's yeah. my preference for it. I think the D'Angelo family could also add a female member to wrestle and feud against Electra. That could be kind of cool. So I yeah. think there's lots of possibilities. They have to do something with Braun though, man, because Braun is Braun is like I know people used to joke about Super Cena and like how Superman is the most boring hero. Braun Breaker's like a bland Superman, which is like somehow even worse and more boring than Superman. He's only as good as his villains yeah. that he is facing. Um, I tweeted this night. He's he's like the human equivalent of a sentient a surge energy drink, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, oh, what what energy, you know? What what loud fashion? What an explosive presence that somehow equals like no personality or nutritional value. Yeah, I think he's got. I do think he does have a personality, and he does. 
kind of remind me of his uncle, Scott Steiner, who had nothing but personality. And I think it's in there. I think there's a charisma when he speaks. I mean, we don't remember any great promos from Braun because he hasn't really been scripted to say anything profound, but I do think it's in there. I just think, to your point, he needs better villains. He needs better storylines to work with. And I do think that the storyline they're doing with Tony D and Legado del Fantasma would be perfect for a guy like Braun Breaker because it is a threat. I, I do think, I could see a universe where, Tony D'Angelo possibly wins the NXT title because of all this power that he's now received. And I think that would be the story that he needs. So shout out tonight in Glenn's ever uh, never ending quest for satisfying snacks on his weight loss journey. Fit soda. This is orange cream. This tastes like an orange cream pop. This is remarkable. That looks delicious. So this has got some additional vitamins in zero calories. Uh, Pick this up at Sprouts. It's got protein in it, but it's vegan. And yeah, this is like a creamy orange soda. Kind yeah. of crazy. Shout out to Fit Soda. And that's a low sugar. Is it? Um... Yeah, zero calories. So it's all, uh, yeah, no sugar. I'm assuming it's like sugar alcohol or monk fruit or something. I don't know. But as of today, let me just say, down 20 pounds in the last two months. And this is, I'm down a size. This is the only shirt I have in the small size. All the other shiny shirts I bought are now too big for me. Wow, so trending, still like 40 pounds to go until my goal weight. But still, we're getting there slowly but surely. Glenergy getting shredded. Oh, well, you know, let's let's just lose the weight first, and then we'll focus on putting on more muscle. Uh, Tornado Anthony, why? Yeah, oh, I, for I'm gonna hit I'm gonna hit a day club in Vegas. <laughs> Rent out a cabana, get bottle service, get ripped off massively. Uh, Tornado Anthony, why? Four ninety nine super chat saying, give me Wade Barrett leading a new Nexus on Raw or SmackDown with NXT two talent to invade out of nowhere and go after the Bloodline. Tornado out. Shout out to the tornado. That'd be good. Wade Barrett can still talk. I think he's great at commentary. I actually don't want him to leave commentary. I think him and Vic Joseph are one of the better teams in there when it comes to pro wrestling, namely WWE. I think they do a good job on commentary. They have a good chemistry. Wade still looks like he could go. He still looks like the same Wade Barrett that we saw. uh, What was it? 2010, that Mm -hmm. era. And uh, it just looks like he's always been a great talker. So he's just using that to his advantage. Thank you, everyone, for the congratulations and thanks on the weight loss. You know what makes yeah. me feel like the oldest man, Alfred, is so I'm 46 years old. In the past, I've, you know, my weight, I've always, weight's always been a struggle. And I've lost massive amounts of weights before, of course. Put it back on while vegan, no less. So I think that deserves, you know, some just, just shock and awe from people. Uh, I did this all with the vegan junk food and bread. But so I've watched fat content before. I've watched carbs. I've watched sugar. Here's where I hit old man territory. I'm now a person who watches sodium. And says, oh, too much sodium in that. Got to watch my sodium levels. That That's where, like, just, that's where, like, uh, you know, the, just internally, I'm now fully gray. Yeah, that, that is. Advanced age. You know? Sodium is an old, kind of an older person problem where that's something they have to worry about later on uh, in your life. But don't let it get you down. It looks like you look younger than ever. And it, whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. So sodium is not trying. keeping you down, clearly. I'm trying. Although you realize sodium's in goddamn everything. That's I know. this has been the most challenging weight loss I've ever had because I can't just go for low calorie, low carb, whatever. Because I'm always like, what's the sodium count? So a lot of the foods I love are like literally 100% of your daily recommended sodium. It's also an everything you know? tasty. Like anything with no sodium is going to have pretty much no taste, or it's going to taste funny. Salt, sugar, and fat, man. So I'm hoping by kicking those cravings, I'll be able to keep it off this time and uh, stay a little more disciplined than I have in the past. But uh, anyhow, let's uh, talk about the second match tonight, which was Toxic Attraction. Gigi Dolan and JC Jane taking on Caden Carter and Katana Chance for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship. Uh, 
Caden Carter and Katana Chance entering through the crowd. It's interesting how WWE, one of their tropes they go back to again and again, is like they just like to party and have a good time. They're, you know, of the people. They're like the feel-good tag team. Uh, not the longest match on the show. Toxic Attraction did retain. What did you think of this match? I thought it was fine. I thought they worked well together. I thought Caden and Katana, I want to see more of them as a tag team because they've been working together for a long time. And clearly they've been working on a lot of these very unique double team moves that incorporate the gymnastics type American Ninja Warrior style of Katana Chance. And Caden is a very underrated wrestler there in NXT. So I think they're a good tag team. And I think whenever Toxic Attraction is ready to lose these belts, it should be to Katana and Caden in some capacity. But here's the thing and kind of the problem with booking Toxic Attraction, because this has happened every TakeOver or every NXT premium live event that they've been on, is I'm almost certain that whenever they're ready to take the belt off Toxic Attraction, it's going to happen all at the same show. Mm-hmm. Manny's going to lose and the tag team's going to lose, Gigi and JC Jane. So when Gigi and JC win, it's like, oh, okay, so then Manny's going to win. Or vice versa has happened too, to where you know what the finish of another match is going to be based on what happened in one match. Yeah. And it was good. And I think that, um, you know, Katana Chance and uh, Kaden Carter, um, I mean, I think they're talented. Toxic Attraction, though, with the attitude, I don't see any other current women's tag team. With Mandy, I see other women on the roster that could hang as NXT Women's Champion, right? They're over Mm -hmm. enough with the crowd. But I don't think we have an NXT Women's Tag Team right now that has that momentum in a positive way to counter what monster heels toxic attraction come off as and they're still doing fresh material man this last two months with wendy chu and the pranks and all this stuff like toxic attraction uh still has some run left i think but i you know as soon as we get another credible women's tag team that's really over with the crowd i don't mean credible in terms of wrestling i mean credible in terms of star power charisma and the fans having their back that's when i think we're going to see that change but there's no shortage of contenders for the nxt women's championship right now yeah, and suddenly this women's tag team division has become thin. So that's going to be the balancing act they're going to have to do is when they're ready to take all those titles off of Toxic Attraction, they're going to have to have the right combination of a person who's ready to take the singles title and somebody who's ready to take those tag team titles. I really do think that Caden and Katana are ready to take those tag team titles. Not only that, but they are one of the few actual cohesive women's tag team on that roster that has gotten television time somewhat consistently so i do think that it should be them in terms of singles yeah they, there is a line but uh, i'm really not sure who they would have for the singles person to take the title off of mandy so word on the street two weeks ago in the wake of sasha and sasha and naomi leaving was that we're gonna have this tournament for the nxt women's tag team titles and would rely the the inside buzz per Meltzer and other people is that it was going to rely heavily on talent from nxt's women's tag team division I'm almost wondering now because we've heard nothing about this sense. I don't, I don't know that we're ever going to get this tournament or else I would no. say toxic attraction. That's their route to go back to the main roster right there. Or I that's the route to of, go to the main roster. One of the quietest developing stories in wrestling right now, WWE may have quietly canceled the WWE women's tag team championships. Maybe yeah. they took one look to try to develop this tournament that they said they were going to do. Because they're still mad at Sasha and Naomi. So we got to bury them. And then we got to say, no, we're moving forward. But then when they got a chance to think about, okay, how are we going to build this tournament up? They're like, well, we got nobody. We got nothing in terms of uh, women who can compete in a tournament. And all it has to be really is maybe a four tag team tournament. You could do that. Yeah, NXT. Clearly WWE, at least 
as of now, has seen something where it's like, I don't think we can do this tournament because we've heard nothing. It's been radio silence when it comes to these women's tag team titles. <sighs> Alfred, why don't you take this super chat just, just came in? I think oh, you oh. might be more qualified to speak <laughs> to this than uh, I am. Okay, you want me to read it and everything? Okay, let's check this out <laughs> from our guy, Vera Hudson. Shout out to Vera Hudson, friend of the show. He says, with Nikita Lyons being exiled from the culture, do we include Gigi Dolan and Mandy Rose as our top two on the fog list? Do we let them in the barbecue? Okay, let me tell you something right now. I don't think Nikita should be exiled from the culture. This is a very nuanced situation that's developing. I don't think it makes you a bigot if your friends maybe have problematic views. We all have friends Ooh. and uncles and family members who have crazy thoughts, but we love them as people because we can empathize. It does not reflect on Nikita that she has somebody in her life who may have some wild takes who we don't all agree with. So I'm not going to get mad at Nikita on that. haven't really done a deep dive on what she has to say about it, but I think people are too quick to call somebody a bigot and cancel them. They're actual bigots in pro wrestling all yes. around pro wrestling who need that energy that they need to get the hell out of there. Those are the people I want to get the hell out of here. Nikita, not so much. So she can stay in the barbecue uh, for now. We got to, you know, keep her maybe on the side. We got to give her one hot dog and see if she comes back for seconds. Uh, and is she cool about it? That would be fine. In terms of Mandy and uh, Gigi, I think uh, they can absolutely stay in the barbecue. And maybe we can give the splits to Mandy instead of Nikita Lyons because she got hurt doing those splits. So with Nikita, you're like, uh, you could have some barbecue, but no cornbread or sides. Exactly. Like, <laughs> you can have all the carts. Henry Rollins used to have a good bit uh, talking about, you know, with Black Flag, obviously they would attract some hardcore punks that maybe had a little more closed-minded views on things and uh, some of them were women. And Henry Rollins would talk about this fantasy that he was going to start dating these women to uh, turn them on to like better music and ideas and essentially open <laughs> their minds. So perhaps that's all Nikita Lyon needs. Uh, Alfred, maybe you could take that up and start courting Miss Lyons to, uh, you know, uh, help her evolve perhaps some viewpoints that have been not previously untouched upon. I would love to. I'd love to sit down with Nikita, see where she's thinking. And listen, maybe you can come down to a common ground. I'm not saying everybody has to think alike, but uh, I think we're a little premature on trying to get Nikita up out of here. But I do like that energy and making sure that we're not cultivating an environment of hate. But uh, let's not get her up out of here just yet. But I agree on what you're saying, though, because I looked at the situation that we talked about the other night with uh, the backlash of some of the the, the mm -hmm. hip hop tracks she used on uh, Memorial Day posting. And I will just say that, you know, this isn't defending uh, it, but I will say that um, on social media, I wouldn't even put this in the top 50 most pro problematic things that I've seen this year a professional wrestler do on social media. Right. And the, and the situation here is essentially Nikita Lyons dancing to a song and people found out that the song was done by an individual who has a lot of, I believe, anti-trans, anti-gay yeah. opinions. And that's its whole thing. And Nikita Lyons appreciating, especially when it comes to music, music of all things, is that one thing where there are monsters who have been musicians who we still listen to their music. You know, Art Kelly being an example, I'm not going to stop listening to Ignition Remix, okay? It's an anthem. It's an anthem that is always going to be embedded in the culture and the person it's attached to, obviously, that's a problem. But listening to Ignition Remix does not make you a child predator, 
Okay. Mm. And Nikita Lyons dancing around to this song, who knows what her views are and opinions are and whatnot. But I think that's a little bit of a ridiculous reason to get somebody quote unquote canceled. That's my problem with cancel culture. I really feel like black people should have gotten the word, the N word, and we should have gotten the word racism because a lot of times people use the word racism and it's bastardized. When, when people mm. actually are racist, it gets enveloped into this cancel culture thing. And it's like, you need to save the word racism and bigot and stuff like that for people who actually are so that it means yeah. something when, you, they, when they use it. Yeah, thin, uh, thin accusations demean real accusations and allegations, essentially. Yes. Like, uh, yeah, it, it waters it down. Um, but no, I feel you, man. I mean, Tootsie is uh, in my top five movies of all time. Dustin yeah. Hoffman, not a good person. We've established <laughs> that now. I feel weird every time I watch it, but you know, other people worked on the film. You can appreciate the efforts of uh, everyone as a team, even if you disagree with one member of it. Absolutely. So yeah, it's tough. But uh, anyhow, I think uh, with Nikita, look, I, I miss Nikita on NXT television. I hope she gets well soon. Um, high point of NXT and the brand is better with her than without her. So I agree. Um, so Cameron Grimes defending his NXT North American championship against Carmelo Hayes tonight. And holy shit, the energy in this match, the spots in this match, Grimes landing on his head on the ring of the apron. What did you think of this? I like this match. Yeah. There were some miscues here and there. I was continue to be surprised actually at people lashing out against Cameron Grimes. I feel like he has to turn heel. He had this great feel-good story where he was talking about his dad. He won the title. People were behind him. Ever since, I don't know if it was because they chose Solo Sokoa, but they definitely cheered Solo Sokoa over him. And I feel like they're still mad at Cameron Grimes for beating Solo Sokoa because they were cheering for Carmelo Hayes, it seems like, over Cameron Grimes. And I was very surprised that Cameron Grimes lost. I thought that Cameron wins this match and he goes on to drop the title to Solo. Looks like Carmelo Hayes, the two-time NXT champion. And if that is the case, I really wouldn't want him to just go ahead and flip it to Solo Sokoa because you know that's where they're going with him and Solo, but they're playing hot potato with this title at this point. Yeah, they are. And I think um, this being Carmelo's second NXT North American title run, I worry about that. See, with Great American Bash coming up July 5th, yeah, it really seems like with Solo, like you have to put a title on Solo. You, I mean, that should have happened yesterday. But a month from now, I don't know. I mean, unless they're going to wait to the if there's going to be a takeover SummerSlam weekend. Although maybe there won't be because SummerSlam is like the first weekend of August this year, isn't it? It's earlier. Is it really? Um, I think there will be a takeover. I don't know if they've announced it yet, but I think there there should be. Let's see. When is SummerSlam? July 30th. Not even in August. July. That's right. At the end of July. Yeah. But maybe not Great American Bash. Maybe SummerSlam solo wins that weekend. I could see that, and I could see them having a, an event, and it's, again, it's just too quick for what they're doing with this title. So then it's just gone from Cameron Grimes to uh, Solo, Cameron Grimes to Carmelo to Solo in the matter of a month. Remember last year, there were, so when SummerSlam was earlier, they did take over at the end of August. They did it later in August, the takeover. Oh, yes. Yeah, and they don't really do, I think for Summers, because it's SummerSlam, similar to how they did with WrestleMania, they would do like a stand and deliver situation where it's during that weekend. Um so I could see them do that. You know, I'm almost done with this soda. And I have to say, I'm depressed that this soda is almost over. And I don't even have another one to get. <laughs> I thought I you mean, were going to pause the show to go get another one. No, from start to finish. You know how sometimes you start drinking something and the first sip, you're like, this is amazing. And by the end, you're like, this is just a shadow of what it was. 
Yeah. Like from first sip to almost now the last sip, this still tastes like an orange creamsicle. So it's the oh, opposite of fruit stripe gum. Oh my God. I love fruit stripe gum, but that's that, you know, that must be what heroin's like. They say with heroin, you know, like, like the highs, uh, you know, get, uh, like the high, you'll never get that first high again. The first bite of fruit stripe gum, like enjoy a while last. Cause it's all downhill from there. Oh yeah. Very good. First bite. First couple of seconds. There's no gum that's better flavored than the first couple of seconds of fruit stripe gum. I could eat an entire pack of fruit stripe gum in about half an hour if I'm just sitting with it. Wow. Wow. Like I will just go for it. You know, what do you think the best flavor of fruit stripe is? I used to think it was the pink one, but as I get older, I think it's the yellow one. I think it's a green one. Interesting. Green. Is that lime? What flavor is it? Green it's and they kinda, have a purple too, right? Uh, Yeah. They've, I mean, they've got green, purple, red, orange, yellow. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's like five or six flavors. And for, and for asking where I got uh, this uh, Fit Soda, the orange creamsicle, I got this at Sprouts, but I know they have these on Amazon. It, this is also the same company that makes the Kakois that I was drinking the other night. The when it was making me a hyper with uh, this one does not have the like twenty five thousand percent of the B twelve in it. This one's a little mellower by comparison. That looks good. Yeah, fruit stripe gum though, man. Like. Yeah, I could just eat that all the time. It's the best. Uh, so Carmelo Hayes is North American championship again. North American champion. Shout out to Carmelo. I love him and Trick Williams. I think they're a great act. If they're going to put the belt back on him, I want to see him get an actual run. Uh, I know he had one the first time, and I thought he did a great job. He's one of the better North American champions who's ever been in this company because he did that thing where he kept calling it the A championship. And then there yeah. would be shows where he would main event with that title in it. Did seem like most of his run because he was champion at the same time Braun Breaker was that initial run. That NXT North American title felt like it meant more than Braun Breaker's world championship. Because much of Carmel's reign. Braun Breaker has no personality. <laughs> Braun Breaker. <laughs> like, seriously, I mean, like, so, Car like, who's more dynamic to watch week in and week out? Carmelo Hayes or Braun Breaker? Definitely Carmelo Hayes. Yeah, that's the point. It's like, if you have every other champion has a better personality those championships by default are more important than your main championship. That's the problem with Braun. Braun Breaker is like the ultimate creator wrestler. And I just, when he does the promos, I don't feel it. The emotion trying to evolve his family. I don't feel it. Like Joe Gacy carried this feud. Um, and Joe Gacy's not great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not pro Joe Gacy. I think Joe Gacy's character, when it started, at least we were offended by it and we were talking about it. Now it's just dumb. Yeah. You know, but that's the problem with Braun. You got to give Braun a good villain. He really needs to do something to make him interesting. And they really do need to develop this character because his character is basically that he's Rick Steiner's son. We always hear about, especially since they thought it was okay to bring out Rick Steiner as his father on TV. And so now all they say is, oh, his father is his hero. He's Rick Steiner's son, this, that, and the third. That's all good and well, but. I don't know anything about Braun Breaker beyond that. They need to yeah. tell me something about that. And they need to develop some of these storylines around something, whether it's from his past, whether it's from the fact that he's a former football player, something that we can sink our teeth into that we can relate to him. Because I think that's the problem. I really don't think it's Braun. Uh, I, I can see the shortcomings that you're saying in terms of his promos and whatnot. But if they gave him more to work with, I think that would level up. You know what Braun needs? Bring Mojo back. Like, Braun needs a hype man. Braun needs somebody... <laughs> that is going to play off of because he just stands there and he has that look. And I know, I know so many guys like I was on a high school wrestling team with so many guys that looked like Braun breaker and had that same attitude, had the same haircut. 
You know what I mean? And it's like they were really into sports, and that's cool, but there was almost no personality uh, or anything outside of that. And people in the chat are defending, like, I've been doing this 18 months. Yeah, he shouldn't be champion. Like, he's good in the ring. He's got a great uh, family legacy, but this is not a real sport. If you're a great athlete, but no one would watch you talk for five minutes and be entertained, you are not a superstar. I think I already know the answer to this question, but who would you have champion in place of Braun Breaker? I'm okay. So realistically, I mean, Solo Sokoa, Tony D'Angelo. Of course. Um, I mean, even Joe Gacy tonight, again, morbid curiosity. But tonight I was like, you know what? When, when it seemed like Joe was about to win, I was like, you know what? This could this is going to be a clusterfuck, but it's going to be more entertaining. Yeah, and Dill Matthews noted about uh, Brown Breaker potentially having a heel turn. I think that could really unlock him, as is usually the case with WWE because they do not know how to book baby faces, which is another problem I think with Brown Breaker. But if he was ever given the chance to turn heel and actually let loose and really channel that early 2000s version of Scott Steiner, I think that would... And I, you know what's going to happen is that if he turned heel, he would bleach his hair and he would get the mustache going yeah, like yeah. the superstar Billy Graham and he would be little pop of pump. But I do think it would work with Brown Breaker. I mean, Roderick Strong would be a very minor step up, not in terms of wrestling ability, but in terms of like charisma. You know, and I'm, I'm, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that like I'm, I'm shitting on some people's favorite wrestlers. But again, it's not about the wrestling ability. This is a TV show. I tune into a TV show to be entertained by larger than life characters. And you need a champion that, I mean, even if, if Andre chase, if Andre chase was main NXT champ, I know he's kind of a comedy character. I think I'd be more entertained. Like even with Von Wagner, at least we've got Robert stone there to like no. do some of the heavy lifting. We can't put that belt on. Von okay. Wagner. Grayson Waller can cut a promo. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of Grayson Waller, but with Braun, here's the thing with Braun. It's not that Braun is bad. Braun is blank. If Braun was trying and was bad, I would be more entertained than what I'm getting now. I'm just getting a blank slate of quiet intensity. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. He is pretty generic. I do think he's very explosive in the ring, and I think he's excellent for somebody at his experience, as I think anybody would attest to in terms of his wrestling. And I do think he's carried himself overall as a champion in a good light. He hasn't been in any good storylines, and he has been blank in more of a generic slate. But I do think that WWE shares that blame. Yeah, this is creative's fault for not giving him more meat. And, and I think they're letting him... I think they're letting him coast because of his pedigree and his talent. It's like, oh, well, he's great in the ring. You know, we don't need to season him now on the main roster. They're going to have something for him. I, I think I think uh, the creative plans for Braun Breaker and uh, his personality are TBD along with that women's tag tournament. I think they've got like, oh, yeah, and once we've done everything, he's that item on the to-do list. Like, develop, give Braun a personality. Like, right. that's that's, you know, always on the list, but other stuff keeps happening that they need to uh, address first, so... I don't know, man. His character could be anything. And because right now he has no character and it's very, that's, and it's like Braun, if you're watching this, that's the only thing that's holding you back, man. That's what's crazy about this. And maybe creative isn't letting him be himself. I don't know, but we need something for this guy. Well, creative is literally not letting him be himself because his name is Braun Breaker and he's Rick Steiner's son. And before recently, they wouldn't even acknowledge that. So they're just kind of starting to let him be himself, but it still isn't enough. But no, but there are some kids I've known some, uh, some specifically guys before they had like really extrovert fathers that just because their dads were such extroverts, like 
they were not. They were quieter and more reserved right. because they're used to. I mean, remember, he's grown up his whole life where everywhere he goes, people want to talk to his dad, and his dad's always in character twenty four seven. You know, yeah. Yeah. not not everyone is the big bopper junior <laughs> who literally did his late father's exact act and songs. Just picked up the mantle. That is not Brom. What's weird with this situation is he actually can do his father's act and it wouldn't be too much of a ripoff because Rick Steiner, especially as a singles earlier in his career, his thing was that he was like one of the varsity uh, athletes where he would wear the varsity jackets and he was this legit tough guy who's an athlete. And that's pretty much what Braun Breaker is, you know, in terms of being a supreme athlete who is going to coast on his athleticism, really wasn't much of a character with Rick Steiner early on in his career. So we're seeing a little bit of a parallel. They got to do something though. I mean, and that's the thing. And like the reason why we're talking about this so much, Braun Breaker as champion. I mean, Braun Breaker is the biggest weakness in all of NXT right now because you have your champ as a guy that people are not emotionally invested in and is not connecting with the audience in a meaningful way, but he is your top character. So that void of charisma does hang heavy over the entire show. I would say so. I, I think it's a little tough on Braun in terms of him like bringing down the show. I think it's like he's bringing show, it down. But I'm saying it's the most glaring issue. Sure. And I would agree with that in terms of it is one of the bigger glaring issues in terms of the top of the storyline, especially over the past month of how they booked this storyline between him and Gacy. And um, Braun could share some blame in that. But I do think that there is issues with Braun Breaker. Uh, I just don't know if they're entirely Braun's fault. Well, you know what this is reminding me of is back how we used to feel about Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns for the longest time. But with Roman, they were trying. I mean, okay, the Suffering Succotash promo sucked, but they were trying with Roman. You know? It's very even, similar. But, but with Roman, like when Roman came out, was it the night after? It, wasn't, it was after one mania. He came out of the crowd, was booing, and he did the, I'm not a bad guy, I'm not a good guy, I'm the guy, and he threw the mic down and stormed off. Like, I thought that was great. The audience didn't like it, but I was like, but they're trying. So with yes. Braun, like, take some swings, man. Like, try some shit. I believe that was after, was that after 31? Because after 32 is when he beat Triple, no, I think it was after 32, he beat Triple H. Yeah, in Dallas, it was Dallas. And then the night after that, I believe it was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even when he did the this is my yard thing after Undertaker. So I think maybe Braun doesn't have the confidence at this this stage in his career to go out there and just do that. Um, but I don't know. I think they gotta I think they gotta try something. Um so let's talk Mandy Rose versus Wendy Chu for the NXT women's championship tonight. Chu, we got a dream sequence, and yeah. they even faked it with Chu. It reminded me of what was like Clerks the cartoon had like a great episode with like Randall having these elaborate dreams. Um this was very creative for a dream sequence about the championship. She was wearing an athleisure onesie. She meant business to take on Mandy Rose tonight. And I tweeted this out, but isn't it crazy that the best thing that ever happened for Mandy Rose's career was going back to NXT because Mandy Rose tonight, I think like she just keeps looking better and better carrying herself better. She seems more like a superstar. I hope that magic sticks with her when she does go back to the main roster because she is on a tear tonight. I thought Wendy Chu could have won this match. I thought they went toe to toe. I thought Wendy had it with the sleeper hold at the end. But what did you think of this uh, this contest between the two? 
I thought it was a pretty good match. I love the dream sequence. I like Wendy Chu's character when she's the sleepy person, as we've said before. I don't like them turning her into a toddler. And, and as I tweeted, she went from looking like a toddler to now dressing like a tourist. And I do like that one piece jogging suit. I thought it was very creative. And I like her the more they talk about her being a, a narcoleptic rather than somebody who's infantilized. Because I do not like Wendy Chu acting like a child. Uh, and they really did focus on the character as a narcoleptic uh, because they even tore up her pillow, which I thought was an egregious offense by Mandy Rose. But I agree with you what you're saying about Mandy. Very interesting because I really haven't thought about the fact that Mandy Rose down the line could go back to the main roster and she'll be all the better for it. She was never booked like this anywhere close. I think people always knew she had that potential. She had a great storyline with Otis, but played more of the damsel in distress. But now this Mandy Rose is a heel who gets to cut promos, which she really almost never got to cut these long promos uh, in WWE on the main roster. I think this is a much better character and she needs to ride this as much as possible. I thought this is a fine match. Um, you know, not the greatest, but a very above average match. The crowd seemed to be into it. And I thought Wendy Chu and Mandy Rose worked well together, especially toward the end. Yes, it was good. So with Wendy Chu, I think... Uh... She was in a tag team before, right? Or she had a tag partner? Wendy Chu? Yes. Yeah. She, it was her and Dakota Kai, who was wow. uh, dearly departed. Yeah, because I could see maybe that could be her future path. Because I worry what we do now with Wendy Chu, who is over with the crowd, who does have this character. She could be a main roster call-up. I mean, the onesie thing seems silly, but I could see Vince thinking like, yeah, we can get some TV mileage out of that for a while. Yeah. It really does seem like a WWE type character where Vince McMahon would love to do all kinds of wacky things with this person. So I don't know if this was just on the free cock tonight or the, both the premium, uh, uh, and the free what the free, now the free cock, the free version of Peacock, yeah. but on the premium feed, we saw the long Alba fire promo. Did you get that? I did get that. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, I think Alba fire is going to face Mandy Rose at great American bash. I maybe see that. I could definitely see that. Alba and that could Fire. be somebody who could beat Mandy Rose potentially. Yeah, I think so. But again, we don't have the tag team. We don't have that component. Right. But Wendy has been such a thorn in the side of toxic attraction as a whole that I this is where I could see Wendy. If you get Wendy with the right teammate, they could win those tag titles. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's, Especially if she keeps it going and she finds somebody. And Wendy Chu could be a good, she was, I thought her and Dakota Kai were a really good tag team that they should have kept yeah. going. So that type of style, if Wendy Chu is able to find somebody else so she can gel with, I think that'd be awesome. I mean, that's why I kind of hope if, if Diamond Mine had broken up, like Ivy Nile would be a no-brainer. Oh, that'd be fun. That would be a fun, because WWE loves these strange bedfellows and Ivy Nile is all business. And all energy. Wendy Chu and Wendy is, Chu is exactly. not. And Wendy Chu is just this, <laughs> a very whimsical character. They should break up Diamond Mind anyhow. I mean, Roderick Strong is the only one that's going to suffer from that happening. I thought we were getting that to that tonight. I was very surprised with this result, and they, they did not. And I, you know what's funny is that even though that stipulation was there that if they lose, they leave the Diamond Mind, I still think they're going to leave the Diamond Mind even though they won. Yeah, Ivy Nile and Wendy Chu, you hit her here first. That could they could defeat Toxic Attraction. Yeah, that's good. I like that pairing. Uh, good promo face off backstage, Roxanne Perez and Tiffany Stratton, who will compete in the NXT women's breakout tournament finals Wednesday night on NXT 
You know what would be fun, and Roxanne Perez is another good candidate, as Chris Aldridge just put in the chat, but what would be really fun is training segments because they're doing that Ivy Nile challenge where she's yeah. just training with all these people. And you just get all these ways. How can Wendy Chu fall asleep while she's training? It's it's perfect. She's doing push-ups. She falls asleep. She falls asleep on the monkey bars. It, it, you can do all kinds of things. And I don't care if it's ripping off Orange Cassidy and the orange juice thing. I mean, it's really just a Popeye spinach gimmick. Like, give Wendy an energy drink, a cup of coffee, something, and then she comes alive in the match and wins. Yeah. That'd be you great. Know, it'd be good. Um, so let's talk about Pretty Deadly versus the Creed Brothers for the NXT Tag Team Championship. And uh, oh, thank God Diamond Mine is not going to break up because Creed, now the NXT Tag Team Champions, fantastic fantastic match here tonight even trying to tempt them to uh to use the belt as a weapon and get disqualified tonight creed's family was in the audience what did you think of this match alfred it was a good match i, I like the creed brothers very hangman adam page-esque except this time julius was rewarded for not using the title whereas hangman adam page teased using the title he did the right thing and he lost so it was good to see the kind of reverse of that and their parents were in the crowd very shocked that diamond mine won a because i think it's too early to take the titles off pretty deadly who i thought was doing a great job as tag team champions uh, and b because the stipulation that the creed brothers leave diamond mine is what needs to happen they in by losing this they would have broken up diamond mine and i just think that that's yesterday's news now that malcolm bivens is stokely hathaway in aew so good for the creed brothers for winning these tag titles it just in classic WWE booking, I see them on the very next show leaving Diamond Mind, even though that yeah. was a stipulation. No, I agree. Um, it was very RYN in the match thing. This match dragged. This uh, this might have been the longest match of the night, but definitely they wanted a showcase here. Pretty deadly, though, man. I, I think they get called up. I think they, I seriously, I, I do think they get called up, even if they're not with Max Dupree. Um, they just look ready, man. This has been the fast track from them ever since they came to NXT from NXT UK. Like they just look like they're ready to go. Their promos have been great. They have like an amazing amount of confidence and charisma. Fantastic in the ring. They look great in this match tonight. Creed, that splash that finished the match was absolutely phenomenal. This is the best Creed's ever looked. And I think you get Creed away from Diamond Mines. So now you can develop their personalities more and not just have them be part of the stable. And have them, uh, you know, start cementing their own legacy and their own path as NXT Tag Team Champions. Yeah, absolutely. Everything is lining up for that prediction, Glenn. I'm going to have to clip your prediction of Pretty Deadly being the male models. And I'll have it ready for if and possibly when they show up as those models. I'll be like, ah, oh, Glenn, call this stuff. Yeah, even if they're not the first. I still think, I think Issa was like long shot that Tyler Breeze could come back. That could still happen. But it's a maximum male models is going to be a stable. And you're telling me there are two men aside from tyler breeze in all of wwe that look more like male models than pretty deadly yeah like just doesn't happen i like them singing backstage once again they're they're, they're uh the the white millie vanilli you know just uh <laughs> with their uh they're quite they remind me of like savage garden like the early days like millie they look vanilla. like a pop group yeah millie vanilla there you go uh but no good match creed getting that win and we'll see what happens with diamond mine from here imagine being pretty deadly like what was it a month ago maybe even a little longer they are in nxt uk which god bless nxt uk but w i don't even think Vince McMahon knows it's still operating I think no that's no the only no. reason it's still operating nick khan's not aware of it yeah they went from that to nxt which now you're on national television which is a huge jump from nxt uk and then potentially to smackdown on fox where you're on network television so i don't know if there's been a bigger jump 
within such a small span from NXT UK to the main roster. Yeah, and and they're I mean they're ready, man. They've been doing this for a while. Like they don't need more seasoning or polish. Yes. Um. So the main event tonight: Braun Breaker versus Joe Gacy with the Druids. I mean. Gacy really won my respect tonight in that he wrestled the hell out of this match and he did it in clothing that is not <laughs> athletic wear. Yeah, it looks it looks hot in there. I, I don't know why he doesn't sweat as much as he does. Yeah, he uh, looked really good. But I think the key thing to call out is, look, there was your typical back and forth, everything you would expect in a match. Um, he got the better part of this match for a good like five to ten minute span. Braun Breaker had his comeback sequence, but then there was, he tried to put the chair in Braun's hand. And here's what I liked about this. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm giving props to a Joe Gacy storyline. I like the psychology that it was twofold. Not only was he trying to get Braun to in trouble, potentially, like that's a silver lining. His real motive was to actually get Braun to hit him and turn Braun to the dark side. And I liked that, that he was tempting Braun. Braun did lash out against the Druid, but I like that Joe Gacy had that Joker-esque sort of moment of basically standing there just begging him to hit him in the head with the chair. And then he used the refs getting involved. I liked Braun not getting busted, the other ref coming to his defense, but I love that surprise roll-up. Uh, both of the, I mean, they gave him hope spots. They gave him chance of finishing. I really thought he was going to win this for a good heartbeat or two tonight. Yeah. Um, and that's the beauty of this match in that I was almost certain that Braun Breaker would win. I, I knew that there was a universe that possibly Joe Gacy could spring the upset because who even knows with NXT 2.0, but I definitely fell for that near fall where they did the low blow where Braun Breaker was teasing, using the chair. He didn't do, he got low blow behind the ref's back. I felt like that would have actually been a good finish to a match like this. Uh, but yeah, they did a good job sucking us in in terms of is Braun going to get himself disqualified? They even had a spot where the refs deliberated and they had to talk to each other. Like, do we disqualify him? And the fans were into that. I thought he might have been a candidate to be disqualified when Joe Gacy laid it on the table. And they didn't even reference or tease that that could have been a disqualification yeah. uh, where they have done matches in WWE on the main roster before where somebody was put through a table and they got disqualified for it. So I'm surprised they didn't use that to tease that he could get disqualified. But with this stipulation, it's not my favorite in terms of you can get disqualified by or you can lose a title by getting disqualified. But they did a good job teasing that throughout this match. And I think it made it better. And the table spot was good with Gacy going through the announce table. Yeah, it was really good. It looked like it hurt. It was the best of both worlds where he banged on the table in a way that it didn't immediately break. So it looked like it hurt. And then the table eventually did break. So it poor Joe Gacy, his back's going to be very sore tomorrow. Joseph Boza calling this match 16 of the weirdest minutes of my life. <laughs> um, this was a good main event. And I thought in a here and here's look all everybody who covers wrestling. Like we think we know what the narrative is going to be, right? If NXT takeover opens with three hot matches, you think, okay, now it's going to hit a lag. If NXT takeover has five hot matches and you get to the end, you think, okay, the narrative is going to be, wow, what a banger of a pay-per-view, except the main event let us down. Right. You know my issues with Braun Breaker. I think Joe Gacy, on a good week, is hot garbage as a character. And this main event held my attention, had me literally, like, at attention thinking Joe Gacy could win and wondering what unpredictable ending we were going to get. I enjoyed the hell out of this match. I love this pay-per-view. This was very entertaining. 
much better than what I was expecting for something that seemed like an afterthought NXT takeover in your house. Yeah, this was a good main event to a bad storyline, and I hope everybody moves on. I hope we don't get any more matches, promos, segments, music videos, dream sequences, amateur wrestling matches between Braun Breaker and Joe Gacy. Hopefully they go their separate ways, and I like the idea of Braun Breaker and Tony D'Angelo. I think it's time. Yeah, I agree. Um, So we'll see. We'll see what happens from here, but... I love this tonight, and I'm very curious to see where we're going next. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see the fallout on NXT 2.0 coming up this Tuesday because there's a number of ways they can go in terms of the next opponents. And I do think that come SummerSlam, come this July NXT premium live event, assuming they do it then, I think that's the time where they're going to start taking these titles off Toxic Attraction. I think possibly Braun Breaker might lose that title. I think we might see some game-changing title changes. Wow. So, um, if you're watching this live and you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe to this channel. Wrestling Inc. is very close to a milestone in terms of subscribers. And I think we're only a few hundred away. So please subscribe to this channel. Uh, You can turn on notifications or not, but we appreciate your support. We appreciate you hanging out with the podcast and following everything that Wrestling Inc. does. I know with NXT, I feel like NXT is sort of uh, become like the bastard child of WWE that doesn't get a lot of attention. I think wrestling Inc is one of the few outlets that even covers NXT with a podcast. And uh, again, we appreciate your support numbers tonight are actually really, really good for an NXT event. We, uh, you know, of course had a great turnout last night for SmackDown uh, specifically given the AEW news and everything around rampage. But before we take this home, Today, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in AEW, the latest with both MJF and the AEW World Championship situation. Yes, let's talk about MJF first. I think this is more of the same. AEW has moved him off their intros, so they're really committing to this work shoot storyline. They not only moved him off the Rampage introduction, I imagine he'll be off the Dynamite introduction. He was moved off the roster page. No more merchandise for MJF. So, again... I think we're all under the impression that we're at the point where this is a work and AEW is doing everything it can to convince you that it's real. But until we get some type of public statement from Tony Khan that MJF has been fired, which even then I don't think people would believe it, which is a problem when you do stuff like this. Uh, I, I think this is all going according to plan and we might be closer to MJF winning that world title. I just think that that is a natural direction. This has fallen into their lap and MJF winning that world title just seems like where they're going next. What do you think, Glenn? Um, MJF could very well be the AEW championship in less than a month's time. Yeah, I can, I can absolutely see that happening. I mean, it's a big story. And to the point of that AEW world championship, okay, I want, I need everybody to stay with me because, uh, AEW has announced it's a linear series in terms of this world championship. Obviously CM Punk, unfortunately got injured just days after winning that title. He's not relinquishing this title, but they are going to crown a new interim champion interim AEW world champion. It'll be a multi-stage eliminator series, which will feature an exciting battle Royal featuring many of the top competitors in AEW, which will open the broadcast of dynamite on Wednesday, June 8th. It's going to be in Independence, Missouri. The winner is going to get to compete in the main event. And that same night, the winner of the battle Royal will meet former AEW champion and number one contender, John Moxley. That will be an eliminator match at the end of dynamite. The winner will advance to compete for the interim AEW world title at forbidden door. Meanwhile, over at New Japan Pro Wrestling, on Dominion, 
That event from Osaka Joe Hall will feature Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Hiroki Goto. Goto, Hiroki Goto, very talented man. They'll face off in an eliminator match of their own for the interim AEW World Championship spot. So the winner of that oh. is going to face the winner of that battle royal. They're going to advance to Forbidden Door on June 26th, live on pay-per-view. So the winner of that match versus the winner of John Moxley versus the battle royal winner. And then the winner of AEW's June 8th eliminator match will face New Japan's June 12th, uh, you know, Goto. And so it's basically going to be Goto, Tanahashi, Moxley and the winner of the Battle Royal. That is your four-person tournament. And out of those four entities, we are going to crown a new AEW World Champion in the interim. I think MJF should get screwed in the Battle Royal and somehow find a way to get in through New Japan. I think he should get escorted out by security and find a way to enter this through New Japan. And even, and in fact, this suits the storyline and how much they're kayfabing it up right now that it should be that, yeah, he is fired from AEW. He gets escorted out by security during the Battle Royal. He gets the opportunity with New Japan. And then by winning the AEW title through his contract with New Japan, AEW has to let him on the air as long as he has that championship. I love that idea. It'd be very interesting because it kind of defeats the purpose of Forbidden Door because now you're not doing New Japan versus AEW. But it is in the wheelhouse of MJF, who even took a shot at New Japan in his shoot promo or his pipe bomb promo where he said, is it because I don't admit to watching New Japan? So he could make a farce out of the forbidden door by being pretty much AEW versus AEW. But MJF going around touting himself as a New Japan wrestler, I think is going to piss a lot of people off. I actually love that idea for the story. I mean, do you think there's any other scenario where a New Japan roster member becomes the AEW world championship, the interim? Mm, I don't think so, but it would be a it would be a good political piece because we're going to get a lot of politics in booking yes. this card. Sure, AEW is going to have to give some. A lot of top stars in AEW, not a lot, but there's going to be top stars of AEW are going to lose. There's going to be top stars in New Japan are going to lose. And one thing Tony can do if there's a hill he's willing to die on is he can say, "Listen, we'll give the interim world title to one of your guys, but my guy has to win this match." So it might be a bargaining chick. So nothing is off the table with that. Do you think? Time Warner Discovery is going to want a New Japan wrestler as the face of AEW. In the I face of, they, I really don't think they know the difference. I, I think when it comes to these New Japan ROH, all of this, I, I don't think it's going to be something with Discovery Warner Media that it's like, oh no, we can't have a New Japan guy as champion. I think they're still acclimating themselves and learning about this business. Okay, do you think a New Japan chant as a, a New Japan wrestler? as AEW World Championship is going to increase the ratings for AEW or keep them under the 1 million ceiling? Definitely keep them under the 1 million. Now, when you That's say New Japan point. Champion, if it's a Tanahashi, if it's one of these people who the hardcores love, yes, that's going to hurt. But if it's a MJF masquerading yes. as a New Japan guy, that's, now we're talking a different play. story. No, that's the play. That's the hot angle. And this is no just disrespect to New Japan's wrestlers, but look... If uh, Kenny Omega has the Impact title, Impact is benefiting from that. If a New Japan wrestler has the AEW title, New Japan benefits from that. AEW doesn't get anything out of that situation because it's not bringing additional eyeballs. Unless, 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 unless Tony Khan is saying, I'm going to put a little bit of a pause on the American market and we want to work to strengthen our presence in Japan. Sure. Yeah, I, I can see that. And that will strengthen the presence in terms of 
having MJF go to Japan and wrestle for that title, you could really heat up New Japan doing this. It's weird because this MJF thing that he's done threw a lot of things haywire, but now they're kind of maybe starting to get rewarded for it. I don't want to say that CM Punk getting hurt is them being rewarded for it, but it's completely opened the door, mm-hmm. no pun intended, to a world of possibilities that I think can save this storyline. Because I was not too big a fan of them going in this work shoot direction long term. I think, A, it shortens the storyline, which helps. B, now New Japan could have some nexus in this world title picture. A, MJF can go to New Japan and win that title. And that would not really be working people. It would be you're using your wrestling properties to put one wrestler over in a promotion that'll make the promotion hotter. And I agree with that. Yeah. And let me just be 100% clear on this. I don't care if it's New Japan or NWA or Impact or MLW. If you are doing this situation and the potential AEW world champion is not a member of the AEW roster, this would be the exact same situation. Unless it's someone that's a megastar that could bring more eyeballs. So yeah, I think uh, him making a mockery of it with New Japan, if I'm booking, that's the story I'm doing. And that's how I get him in the finals for this. A lot of talk of MJF's boarding pass, his fake boarding pass that he used to work the media. Uh, We're going to be on the lookout for that boarding pass to Osaka Joe Hall. Because if MJF, his name is on a boarding pass to Osaka Joe Hall, we know that this man might be winning that strap. What's crazy, you can buy an airline ticket, get a boarding pass, and then get avoided or a refund. You could use miles same day and then cancel and get the miles back. Like, not an elaborate work. Now, I think, and you know, I, I have to apologize because I know I was a little extreme last night. I was saying, oh, now we know it's a work and whatnot. I do think the wrestling media, um, and we're guilty of this too, I think sometimes we will play along with the story a little bit if we think it's a good story and we think there's a benefit to it being... Uh, perpetuated will suspend disbelief a little bit on this. But with MJF, I just think him coming out on TV was the point where I could not suspend disbelief anymore on Wednesday. Of course. And that's where it gets into this crazy town territory where if you're a wrestling fan who knows the stuff like we do, like we watch every week and we know everything that goes on backstage in front of the camera and whatnot. Once you see him go on television, it's like, okay, if this guy is really, in hot water with AEW and maybe on the verge of getting fired. He's not going on TV, let alone cutting this long nine minute promo that they only cut him off at the end. So again, there's a certain level of suspending disbelief. It created a great moment. I like the execution of his promo, but I think with this situation, it could be very interesting to see if he was able to go to new Japan and win that title. Absolutely. Uh, Marie Johnson with a question. A lot of people have asked with a super chat here why does wendy chu get a pass but orange cassidy is not some people say his character would not work in the fed but her character does see i think it's the opposite i think people love orange cassidy but give wendy Mm -hmm. chu a hard time yeah i think people there's obviously going to be people especially the old school wrestling fans who don't like what orange cassidy does i love what orange cassidy does and i think both have their supporters i think wendy chu has way more supporters and detractors and i feel the same about mj or about orange cassidy even if they are polarizing of course they're going to be because they have these very unique characters that don't exclusively focus on the wrestling and are going to be hybrid comedy characters you know and let me uh to back it up to mjf for a second at one point, it was a legitimate shoot. When it became a work is now it's up for debate. The popular consensus seems to be it became a work Monday when MJF had a meeting with Tony Khan. 
Yes, maybe even before then. I think it became a work before he was able to walk out. I think it's very suspicious that AEW seemed to know all along that MJF was going to compete against Wardlow and that they were doing what they're doing now and that over the weekend you saw them remove the video package, remove this, that, and the other. That's when the work began for me. I think that's when they thought, Hmm. how can we make people think that this is real? Because there was no announcement that MJF is going to be off the show, which they would have done for these paying customers. Um, But they just seemed to, and you know, Tony Khan, his lips are sealed. He's not talking to anybody. So I think this became a work the very next day when it was agreed upon that MJF is going to be competing at the event. Look, one week ago tonight when we were on the, the eve of CM Punk, his return to wrestling becoming AEW World Championship, and MJF was trending over a plane ticket and a plane he may or may not get on, proved that he is able to create the biggest buzz in not just AEW, but all of professional wrestling. Yes. And at that point, he had Tony Khan over a barrel to pretty much name his price, I think. Very interesting. I think this is all MJF's doing. I think he is the spearhead behind this. Uh, for a lot of reasons, I don't want to believe that Tony Khan came up with this grand scheme that would involve MJF no-showing. I think MJF did this on his own, and it has, he bet on himself. He took a very risky choice, and it's now starting to work out for him. It might work out for him better than he could ever imagine, which is going to – the bad part about this, it's going to inspire people – to screw over the promoter to do stuff like this, screw fans, not show up and create buzz around wow. themselves. MJF is being rewarded potentially at the highest level. That not only, like you said, he's the hottest wrestler in wrestling right now, and he also could be the world champion of AEW, which there are going to be wrestlers who see this like, oh, really? Okay, so I could play games with the fans and the promoters and, and maybe no show here and there, and maybe I'll get hot. So it, people are going to take wow. this. Although, you know, Dylan Matthews saying screwing fans out of money is scummy. I mean, everyone got their money back. We do think that um, it might be a bit of a conspiracy how many tickets were actually sold to that meet and greet. I don't know. There, I've seen a lot of different uh, viewpoints on this. Um, but it's fascinating. Just giving us something to talk about with all this is even absolutely brilliant. But you know, you know what I did do last night when I couldn't sleep? I started rewatching that MJF documentary from four years ago. Again, yeah. which I, I, I almost think they should, you know, you know, that only has half a million views on YouTube. Hmm. Like it's never blown up. They should almost remake that. Um, but I won't spoil anything, but I will say the gist of the documentary is that MJF is proving that MJF is just a character and, you know, in real life, he's a regular guy or as he puts it, you know, I'm just a regular guy. I like to do the stuff. <laughs> yeah. MJF trying to be a regular guy was uh, one of the funnier parts of that documentary. It's so good. That, that is the ingredient that allows, though. That's the thing about if other wrestlers are inspired to do this, they're going to get found out quickly because most 90% of wrestlers are apart from the character. There's a real-life version of the wrestler. The reason MJF is able to pull this off so well is because he's always in character. So nobody knows when the lines stop, when it becomes real and fake. And I think that helped him masterfully. Whereas if a Hangman Adam Page were to not show up, they could use his real name. We would know what's work, what's shoot, and it would hurt him. You know, I'm going to argue that that documentary, and back then he was only with MLW. This was pre-AEW. With that documentary, MJF solidified himself as the best purveyor of wrestling psychology and knowing how to play your character working today. Because, I mean, you, you like go back. If you've never seen this MJF documentary, just look for it on YouTube. It's about half an hour long. And this I would put this up there as one of the best pieces of art ever made 
in the realm of professional wrestling. You know, in terms of things like uh, we talk about Southpaw as being like this great WWE experiment that was really good. You think about your great promos, your great matches, your great experiences. That documentary is just incredible. That I mean, it was almost MJF firing his shot that he is a, a performance artist above and beyond anything else. Yeah, that's exactly what he is. He's a performance artist and he's a method actor, always in character always thinking in terms of his character, what would be good for him. And I think that's what inspired his decision to do this. It's really incredible. Um, so Anthony, yes, or Anthony, why I saw that I saw tornado, baby <laughs> saying tornado 613 says show up Roman fear the tornado. Hey, here he comes. 613, man. We're almost a week away. And that threat level is 9.5. I've just been told we're there at an F, F one and a half for this tornado. And our final story, just a really quick story. And I don't think this surprises anybody. This is something that I feel like a lot of people had expected when Cody Rhodes was signed by WWE. But Cody Rhodes' push has apparently changed a lot of minds in AEW. The AEW locker room has taken note at how hard and how strong Cody Rhodes has been pushed and opened up themselves to the idea of potentially going to WWE, which I don't think we're breaking any ground by saying WWE had to push Cody Rhodes to the moon because he kind of slipped through the cracks as the first free agent crossover. And so he's patient zero in terms of how's WWE going to book AEW guys. Even if they do have plans to bury them, you have to at least get them there. And they're definitely building it for AEW free agents by booking Cody so strong. Yeah. Well, let me tell you in 1994, a lot of uh, Indian punk bands looked at green days success on a major label and said, Oh, maybe, maybe I'll sign to a major label. Yeah. <laughs> Not in fact, most of them didn't end up being Green Day. You know, I think it's the same thing. They're thinking, oh, maybe I'll go to WWE. You're not Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes had pre-existing relationships and was a top guy in AEW. If you weren't at that level, you were not going to have that same experience. It is interesting though now the rumors uh of Cesaro maybe going back to WWE. That could, I mean, some people have been saying he might be the male model for Max Dupree, which I wouldn't hate that all the way, but I just yeah, don't I see that. that. I just see that spot being for somebody young and up and coming, and WWE is going to feel the need to tell you, oh, he's so good looking. Look, this is such up Vince McMahon's alley that it's going to be somebody Vince really likes, and they're going to just keep telling you that how good looking they are. Wait, um, do you, but do you think with Cesaro, now Cesaro looked money with the Jason Statham transporter pull away suit, and that was good, but do you see Cesaro like the tech, like, the technician uh, pretty much universally regarded as everyone as like the most knowledgeable applied knowledge professional wrestler working today. Do you see him coming back and not getting a cool gimmick like the transporter and being a male model managed by Max Dupree, who is obnoxious, does not even capture how over the top that character is. I don't know. I think for Cesaro, there better be a lot of zeros attached to that check if that's where he wants to go right now. This should have been something he did 10 years ago, not yeah. present day Cesaro, but Cesaro's big problem was he needed a manager. I know he got Paul Heyman, but Paul Heyman is far too charismatic for Cesaro to be able to hang with that in terms of his cult of personality. And I think a Max Dupree uh, would have been perfect for Cesaro. JAS saying AEW Galaxy, Cody is PG now. I mean, it's WWE. It's, it's really but the same Cody. Uh, Leo Bowden with an interesting question. Does Bray Wyatt return tomorrow night? I've seen a lot of people speculating that. 
You know what's funny is I was thinking about skipping this pay-per-view altogether and just I'll watch it later. You know, I'm not even going to cover it. I'm, you know, we're doing this. And I was thinking about taking Sunday off, but these whispers of Bray Wyatt possibly coming back. And he did put on his Twitter some very cryptic message that he's Wyatt now. I believe he's Wyatt Six on Twitter. So there is some speculation. I don't all the way expect it, but I will be watching in the off chance that Bray Wyatt comes back. I've always thought since Bray Wyatt left, even though there've been the AEW rumors, I've always thought that he's going to wind back up with WWE. And I still think that. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, no one else can afford him. Uh, JAS, uh, $5 saying appreciate us. Hey, JAS, we definitely do. Tonight, great turnout for a Saturday night pay-per-view that had almost no heat on it. I think this surprised everybody tonight. I think a lot of people tuned in tonight begrudgingly or just i'm going to put this on in the background and this had my attention the entire time it was fantastic uh tonight but yeah looking forward to tomorrow and seeing what we get but i think it'll be good uh got new episodes of the boys on amazon to dive into they released three at once it's going to be weekly from there wait cannot wait this afternoon we loaded up pistol which is on hulu coincided with the queen's jubilee uh, a series by Daniel Boyle about the Sex Pistols. So we start oh. watching the first episode of that tonight. Uh, I don't know if you know much of the Sex Pistols story. Johnny Rotten. Well, but right? here's is the that, funny thing. Johnny Rotten. Johnny Rotten, Johnny Rotten is yeah. interesting, but you know who the most interesting guy in the Sex Pistols story is? Is Malcolm McLaren, who is their manager, who is like the mastermind of it. And a lot of people forget this. After punk rock, he moved on to the hip hop scene. Buffalo Gals was his hit song in the U.S., uh, the, the line, uh, tribe sampled, uh, it was, uh, I'm on a world tour with Mr. Malcolm McLaren. Like he yeah. was like this, uh, visionary impresario who, uh, saw a way to manipulate the culture. He's the most interesting guy in Sid and Nancy about the sex pistols. He's the most interesting guy in this series. I just want a Malcolm McLaren series because I'm watching the whole time. Every time he's on the air, I'm like, this guy's just like brilliant and mad, but yeah, the band itself, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. That sounds awesome though. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, but yeah, so I'm going to. Uh, park myself in front of the TV for the rest of the weekend. I'll, I'll pay attention to Hell in a Cell tomorrow night, but I don't think I'll be watching it actively. Yeah, could be. I mean, it would be a weird spot for Bray Wyatt to come back because there's just nothing else happening on that show. They don't even have Roman Reigns there. Um, very interesting. I don't think Ronda Rousey has been advertised. It's mostly Raw. But I will be watching with Bray Wyatt in the back of my mind, and I, I can see myself being disappointed if I just have to sit through that and Bray Wyatt didn't show up. Why did Seth and Becky both adopt the same laugh? They're or around each other. Not? You know, it's that true. is a concept. I think there's a scientific theory behind that. That, it, And this has happened with me, is that my laugh changes every couple of years. And I think it's based on who I hang around, is that mm. I'll notice that my laugh is a lot like one of my friends. Sometimes it's a quicker cadence. Sometimes it's a <laughs> But depending on who I'm hanging out with, my laugh changes like every few years. And I think because they're around each other, their laughs synced up. Um. My wife pointed this out. You ever seen the movie Real Genius with Val Kilmer? No, 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 no I have not. Okay. The, the, a character tries to like force an, an evil like laugh in it. And it's like Mitch, the character in Real Genius doing his forced laugh sounds exactly like the Becky and Seth laugh. And now I can't oh. unhear that when I hear it. Oh, that. great. And yeah. both those laughs are terrible, I think. I don't think either of them should be doing it. But you should watch Real Genius. Uh, that was like what put Val Kilmer on the map. Like that is a solid comedy about uh, engineering students and science students at a uh, Cal Poly type school. 
I'll check that out because uh, he was just in Top Gun Maverick and yes. Kimmer killed it. I mean, he had didn't have a, a big role, but he was there and the crowd was very hot for him. And I thought he was great in the, in the movie. And I, I want to go see that movie again. And I, maybe I'll check out uh, Real Genius too. because well, Real really Genius, fun. you know what he plays? He plays like a super smart Van Wilder type character. Like okay. the smart, cocky. It's, it's a comedy. It's a very funny movie. And he is like just exceptionally charismatic in it. So highly recommend it. But hey, everybody, have a great rest of your weekend. I also want to stop. There's so many people tuning in live and watching right now. Uh, but get back to your weekend. Watch Hell in a Cell tomorrow. We'll have Hell in a Cell coverage here tomorrow right after the pay-per-view ends. We'll have Monday Night Raw coverage. God, every night. We're, we just go Friday to Tuesday. We're going to uh, Friday to Wednesday. Because, yeah, we'll be back Tuesday for NXT 2.0. Wednesday for Dynamite with that Eliminator. So have a good weekend, everyone. We'll catch you back here next time on the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. Take care.